watching the live stream or at your home uh, with your loved ones, cup of coffee, whatever. So wherever you are, I just invite you to um, start our mornings together like we always do, which is with worship. So let's sing. There is a shaking, let hearts awaken. Our God is moving, forever changing us. There is a trembling, there is revival, the sound of worship, so great and glorious. Holy Spirit, hear us now. Breathe on us, holy fire fall. Come and fill this place with your presence, like a rushing wind. shaking let hearts awaken our god is moving forever changing us there is a trembling there is revival up your voice and sing he is holy lift up your hands and shout the lord is with us now lift up your voice and sing he is holy lift up your hands and shout the lord is with us now lift up your voice and sing he is holy lift up your hands and shout the lord is with us now lift up your voice and sing
a new song. We haven't sung it here before, but um, this song has been a prayer of mine, um, especially this summer with everything going on, uh, just singing about the goodness and the faithfulness of the God and just reminding myself of um, who he is and what he's done. So uh, just sing this song and pray this prayer with me. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. For all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay in my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. Oh, I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, oh, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. Running after me, your goodness, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful, yes you have, and all my life you have been so, so good, with every breath that I am able, oh I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful Sing all my 
goodness of God. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Overlake, it is so great to be together with you today, worshiping our Father about the goodness of God. Such a terrific way to start, start the service this morning. Regardless of whether you're watching at home, down the hallway in the chapel, or maybe even outdoors enjoying some sunshine, we're grateful you've joined us. In fact, if you want to be on site next week uh, with others watching the live stream, uh, please make a reservation uh, by going out to Overlake's website, OCC.org. This morning, I want to draw your attention to the links in, in front of you. There's the, these links all are part of how we stay connected with one another. The connection card before the service is over, it'd be great if you could take some time to complete that, uh, update it with any new information. And one of the ways that the pastors and elders uh, utilize those cards is to pray, pray for you, pray for one another. So if you have some prayer requests, go ahead and complete the card with that as well. During this season, you've been so faithful in, in supporting the ministries of Overlake. So go ahead and click on the, the Give link, and there are different options and ways in which you can participate in this form of worship. The at-home resources is updated, it seems like, almost every week, and you can find, out, find on that site the, the current reading plan for the book of John. And as you'll hear later in the service, it's not too late to sign up for some of the grow groups that are starting the different groups. Uh, there's groups for everyone, and so you can find information on that as well. So earlier this week, on Tuesday, in the regular uh, weekly email that goes out from Overlake, the elders shared an update. And I actually want to just spend a minute or so just highlighting and recapping one of the points that was mentioned uh, in the email. As this season of transition continues... Um, the, the elders, with input from the organizational leadership team, have made uh, some changes. Changes that we feel will improve the sort of the effectus, effectiveness of the staff as well as empowering them. will help with the daily decisions and direction setting. So starting this month, Pastor Neely McQueen and Pastor Pat Swanson will be serving in the transition as interim co-lead pastors. The elders are super grateful uh, for their willingness to take on additional responsibilities uh, during this season, as well as continuing to oversee their respective ministries. So as we get ready to have some time of prayer, uh, wherever you're at, for about 30 seconds, um, I'd actually, actually just want to thank you for your ongoing prayer for Overlake, for its leadership team, for the elders as we pray and discern what God has in store next. But as we take some time uh, for 30 seconds or so, please pray for Pastor Neely and Pastor Pat um, as they step into this transition time as interim co-lead pastors. Thank you.
Well, good morning, OCC. It is such a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you this morning. If you're here in the building or if you're online, uh, hanging out in your room, what we call Bedside Baptist, or <laughs> if you're with your family outside enjoying this beautiful Seattle weather, we are so excited that you are here today. We have a familiar passage of scripture that we're going to go over in John chapter 6, uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture of all time, uh, because it's one of the few passages of scriptures that is all the same in all of the gospels. Uh, this passage of scripture, the feeding of the 5,000 is found in both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and only the resurrection is the only other miracle that is found in all of the scriptures. And so uh, we're excited to dive into God's word and to see what God would have to say to us this morning through his truth. So can we pray and we can dive in. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you so much for uh, this church. Thank you so much for OCC, God. Thank you so much for uh, the impact, Lord, that, you, that it is having on eternity, Lord. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here, Lord, and that you're ruling and you're reigning, God. And Father, we pray that you would meet us, Lord. Even in the midst of this pandemic, you would meet us, God. That, Father, you even supersede anything that we are going through here on this side, God. That you are sovereign, that you are God, and that you are in total control. So, Father, we pray that your holy word would touch our hearts, Lord, and you would transform our heart and our mind to be like you, Jesus. So, Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for the fellowship, Lord. Thank you so much for even these trials and tribulations, Lord. We're going to learn today that, Father, we, you have a purpose in it all. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. Meet us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be reading from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, uh, and it reads, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It said, it reads, uh, after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Interesting, people follow him because they see the things that he does, not necessarily the person that he is. And I want, want us to understand that. In verse 3, he says, when, and Jesus went up to, on the mountain and he sat there with his disciples. Verse 4, now Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. This is uh, of, of great importance because this is going to unpack this whole chapter to understand how this Passover verse is connected to this chapter. Verse 5, he says, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And we'll unpack why Philip was the one he uh, asked. But he said this to test him. It's interesting, in, in the original Greek, this word test actually means to be testing them. Get this, God always has us in process where he is testing us, growing us, pushing us to be better. For he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7 says, and Philip answered him, he says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may have a little. We, we understand a little bit about, about Philip, that he is the apostolic bean counter. He's a man of all about process and protocol, and he has surveyed the land. He says, uh, Jesus, uh, we need eight months worth of wages just to give everybody a little bit. That's why he, he, he pointed out Philip. Verse 8, he says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad, and I like this word lad because in the Greek it actually means a young, young boy. It's amazing. There's a lad out of 5,000 men. It doesn't count the women and the children, but 5,000 men. There's a little boy who has packed his lunch. He says, there's a lad here who bought five barley loaves and 
two small fish, but what are they among so many? Verse 10, Jesus says, make the people sit down. And now there is much grass in the place. Get this, you got to understand this. This is Passover is around March or April based off the, the Jewish calendar. And, and this is before all the grass burns off. And so the, the place is green, it's plush, it's probably in the springtime and very, 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 very comfortable. He says, make the people sit down. And so the men sat down and the number is about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those who had been sitting down and likewise of the fish. And they had as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled the baskets with the fragments of the barley, five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet, not a prophet, but the prophet, referencing Deuteronomy 18, 8, the prophet who is going to come into the world and, and be the Messiah. Before we dive in, I want to give some context to this text. Neely did a phenomenal job last week teaching about John chapter 5. I don't know if you, you've seen it, but that's just the preach. She preached well last week, and, and it's pretty amazing. She did an outstanding job preaching on John chapter 5. And we understand that John chapter 5 is one of the, uh, when, when the, the, the man was healed, it was around one of the feast days of the Jews. The Bible doesn't tell us. It was either Passover or the last feast of the Jews, which all the Jewish men had to come to, which was three of them, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. It was either, a, this is a year later or, at, uh, at, or maybe even closer to six month later, months later if it's the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And so get this, there's a transition where at least six months at minimum or up to a year has passed. And Jesus is now on the scene with his guys. Now also understand this, Jesus has sent his boys off two by two to do some, some missionary work. And, we, and they, they're coming back and they're sharing their stories and he had given them him his divine authority to go out and cast out demons and do the missionary work of the Lord. And he's training them for what's going to happen in the book of Acts. And, and he's teaching them and, and they come back and they, they have all these stories, but get this, they are tired. And so Jesus wants to take them to a place to give them some rest and relaxation. We, we find this in actually Mark chapter 6, verse 30. He says, come back and tell me your stories and, and, and let's get some rest and relaxations. But you understand this about ministry of those of us who are in ministry. There's really not a whole lot of time to rest. Because get this, there are very few people to labor in the ministry, but there's a lot of ministry that's to be done. And so these individuals hear about what Jesus and, and his disciples have done, and, and they come and they actually are following them. And Jesus is trying to get some time with his boys, and he's just trying to hang out, and he's just trying to teach them. And they gather with him. And, 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 and you can actually go to Mark chapter 6, verse 31. It talks about how they didn't even have time to eat before the crowds actually come and see them. And so these crowds are coming to see them. These guys had just done ministry and they're tired. And, 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 and Jesus sees this crowd coming in and he says, he has, the Bible says he has compassion on them. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on these guys. And so that sets, us, sets up the context of today's uh, 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 sermon. And, 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 and we're going to dive in and we're going to give you three Ps. I want you guys to understand three points, just three Ps. First, we're going to see the problem. We're going to see God's provision in the problem. 
and then we're going to see the principle for us to live by. I want you to write those down at home, whether you're in the back. We got the problem, we have the provision of the problem, and then we have the principle. And so the Bible says after these things, he says, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee and the great multitude followed him because they saw the signs that Jesus did. Get this, signs are, are things that capture the attention. In the Greek, it actually means a, a working of power, a, a miracles. They saw the signs that Jesus had been doing. And so people are enamored with Jesus's power. And we have a lot of people in our modern culture who are enamored with the power of Christ, but they're not enamored with the person of Christ. They love the power, but they don't want necessarily the person. And you'll see this in this whole context. If you read the whole chapter, how these individuals, they really just want to be fed, not necessarily want to follow the Savior. And so Jesus, they're enamored with Jesus's power because they saw the signs that he performed on the sick. And it's pretty amazing, these signs that he performed. This is Jesus' 19th, this will be Jesus' 19th miracle that is recorded in Scripture. This one right here will be Jesus' 19th miracle. And so we go on and we see Jesus went on, on the mountainside. It's interesting in, in that day, it's, it's really kind of more like heels. It's not like they went up to Mount Rainier and, 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 and had uh, some teaching time, but it was really a heel. That's what they call those in, in their modern culture. He sat with his disciples and the Bible says this. He says, now a Passover, the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Uh, can I unpack what Passover is before we dive into the problem? Passover was a feast that the Jews celebrated. All Jewish men from everywhere had to come back to Jerusalem for those three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and also Feast of Booths. And it was, a, it was a feast that the Jews had to celebrate every year, which signified God freeing them from the oppression of the Egyptians. And they had to celebrate it continuously because, get this, God wants us to always remember what he's done. And so the Jews would celebrate Passover over and over and over and over and over and over. I sound like Marsha and Liz, over and over and over again for them to remember the goodness of God. Oh, how we forget how great God has been. We in our modern Christian culture says, God, the next thing, not necessarily remember the last thing, but God says, I want you to remember who I am, my power, my majesty, who I am, because I can work in and through you and you would serve me. And so he says the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. And in the Passover, we understand that first Passover, what happened in the Passover is that the Jews, in order for the death angel to pass over them, there in Egypt, they had to do two things. They had to take the blood of a lamb and they had to put it over the doorpost, but even more than that, even on the side of the doorpost. And so they would take the blood from the hyssop and put it over the doorpost. And then the Bible also says they put, they're supposed to put it on the sides of the doorposts. I know if you guys see the picture, but if you, when you close the, the, pit, the door, it was a picture of a cross. You had blood here, blood here, blood here, and the doors closed. It is amazing. Even the, in the Old Testament, the Passover was a picture of the cross and how God, through his grace and his mercy, was going to allow the death angel to pass over because the cross was on your house. The blood of the cross was on, our, on their houses. And so they had to do that, but they also had to do one thing. And a lot of times, I never preached this. I don't know about other pastors, but I never preached this. But they had to eat a lamb as a family, and they had to do it with bitter herbs. 
they had to roast the lamb and eat the lamb. But get this, they just couldn't pick and choose the part of the lamb that they were going to eat. They had to eat the whole thing. And I want to encourage you over like, there's a principle there, which we'll get to, that Jesus says, I want you to take me in. I want you to ingest me in. Get this, a lot of people want to be saved, but they don't want to have a changed life. A lot of people want to go to heaven, but they don't want God to transform them here on earth. A lot of people want to experience Jesus, but they don't want to experience a change. He says, he says if you get me, you get all of me. And guess what? When you get me, I transform you. You got to take in the parts you love and the parts you really don't like. Get this, there's some things about scripture that I love. I want to go to heaven. I I want to walk on streets of gold, but I don't want to turn my other cheek. I don't want to give, I don't want to go the extra mile sometime. But Jesus says this. He says, you got to take the parts you like and the parts you don't. He says, you got to feast on me. You got to grab scripture and you got to love and you got to digest the parts of God loves you. But you also got to digest the part where he says, you got to love your enemies, not just like people who are like you. You also, you got to digest the part that God gives me grace. But you also got to digest the part where God says, forgive people who've wronged you. <laughs> there's some parts of scripture that we like. And if we're honest, there's some parts of scripture that are really tough for us to digest. But God says, take it, take it all in. Take it all in. Because the Passover was near. Verse 5 we get to the problem. He says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude and having compassion on him, he says, Philip, verse 5, we understand the problem. He says, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? <laughs> he says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip was the apostolic bean counter and because he asked Philip, why, what, what shall we do that these people may eat? And he's testing Philip because the Bible says in verse 6, he already knew what he was going to do. Get this. How often does God test us? Get this. What miracle in Scripture would God question you? What would he say to you? Uh, what are we going to do for this leper? For you people who don't like being around people who have different diseases or different ailments. What about, what about the person who's demon-possessed, who people who don't believe in those things? Like, oh, I don't mess with people who got these crazy, hear these crazy voices. How would he challenge you? Get this, Jesus, even in his discipleship, as he's discipling the group, he knows how to deal with the individual. God is a God who can deal with the group and the individual all at the same time. He says, he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip is already doing the calculation. He's like, okay, I see 5,000 men. I see some women. And I'm like, Philip, how did you come up with this number? He says, uh, Lord, uh, I've already been doing it in my, man, my head because Jesus already knows what Philip is thinking. He says, I've already been doing it in my head. It's going to take eight months wages just for them to have a little bit. <laughs> I love this. And he says this to, to test him. Get this. Philip is just like Nicodemus in chapter 3, and he's just like the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, that he's thinking only on a physical level. He's only thinking on a physical level. The Bible says Jesus said this to test him because he knew what he was going to do. Get this. No circumstance, no, no, no opportunity, nothing that we go through catches God by surprise. You think God is up in heaven and says, oh my God, there's a pandemic. Oh my Yahweh, oh my me, that's a pandemic. No, he knew it before he even got here. Nothing catches God by surprise. He already knows how he's going to handle a thing. 
I love this about our God because nothing catches him by surprise. So anything he does, he tests us, is to grow us, is to, it is to mature us. James chapter 1 verses 2 and, uh, through 4 says this, My brother, count it all joy when you go through various trials, and knowing that the testing of your faith produces, produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and lacking nothing. It bothers me now because I used to be this person. When things would go wrong, when things would go south in my life, I used to always say this, God, why are you doing this to me? But get this, James communicates it in this way. He says this, when you're tested, guess who's tested? Not you, but your what? Your faith. He tests our faith, not our flesh. God tests our faith, not our flesh. Hence, we should never say, God, why are you doing this to me? But we should say, God, what are you doing for me? God's growing us. He's growing Philip for when he gets to the book of Acts and he has to be there by himself, depending and walking on with the Holy Spirit, that he will know that God who walked with him on earth, who did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, still lives and resides in him by his Holy Spirit. He says, why? He says, don't say, why are you doing this to me? Well, what are you doing for me? I like the fact that he asked Philip this question because Philip should have known because this is miracle 19. Philip should have remembered, oh, yeah, this is the same guy who turned water into wine. Oh, you can do it, Lord. This is the same guy who raised people from the dead. Oh, yeah, you can do it, Lord. This is the same one who, who healed leprosy. Yes, you can do it, Lord. This is the same God who dwelled in the Old Testament and fed 1.5 to 2 million Jews every day with manna and gave them twice on Friday. Oh, yes, nothing's too hard for you to do, God. Wow. But he didn't. And oftentimes we don't. We look at the problem, but we never go to the problem solver. We look at the hardship, but we never go to the one who can deal with the hardship. We focus a lot of times on the wrong things because our identity is out of place a lot of times. And God is dealing with us that we would trust in him and place our full faith and identity in him. Get this, if you're a believer, you will face tests and trials. We know this because Abraham was tested. God told Abraham, he says, hey, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Like, I'm reading scripts like, what? wait, hold on, what? I thought thou shalt not kill. You know, he's like, I want you to go sacrifice your son. And get this, Abraham passed the test. He says, he says I know that you fear me because you didn't withhold your one and only son. I don't know if you guys understand this, but when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, he was going to sacrifice his own legacy. Because his son is through the lineage which his legacy, his, his, his patriarchy was going to flow. So if his son wasn't alive, no one's going to know that he ever existed. And Abraham is saying this. He says, God, what you have me to do is more important than what I want to do and even my own legacy. How many of us as Christians live in that way that God is way more important? He is, as one songwriter said, he is the air I breathe. Hmm. I love that because he says, he says he tested Abraham. Huh. God was not tempting Abraham to kill his son. God would never let him kill his son. Get this. But God was testing Abraham uh, to see if he was willing to trust God and do what God asked him to do. 
Because we know as Abraham, as Abraham is about to raise up and he's going up one side of the mountain, a ram is going up the other side of the mountain. Get this, God has provision on the other side for the thing he's already asking you to do. So all we have to do is trust and wait on the provision of the Lord. Abraham passed his test. Get this, we are tested to be blessed. We are pushed to be prepared and we are brought down to be raised up. Huh. God wants us to look for him for answers. And so he asks Philip, he says, uh, what are we going to do? So are we going to go to our flesh or are we going to go to the one who's greater than our flesh? Hmm. We see in verse, in verse 8, he says, Philip, verse 7, Philip says, we don't have enough money. And in verse 8, he says, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad. In verse 9, we see the provision. So we deal with the problem. And we understand that God wants to allow us to go through the test so we can focus on him, to focus on his power, his majesty, uh, the person of Jesus Christ and all that he is. And we go to the provision in verse 9. He says, there's a lad with five uh, barley loaves and two small fish. And these were pickled like sardine type fish. They weren't big fish. They were small fish. And because every Jew, uh, if he was a good Jew, he would actually carry up what they call a wicker basket. And we actually see those later in the scriptures. He would carry a wicker basket, which he would take his lunch with him. Because if he ever walked around Gentile uh, territory, he would never defile himself with the Gentile food. So he'd always carry his own lunch. And so out of 5,000 men, because they're all excited to see Jesus' sign, they run out and forget their lunch. But this one little lad brought his lunch. And he says, we see the provision. He says, he says there's a lad here with two small fish and five barley loaves, but what are they among so many? <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I often think about the little boy. Like, could I really just give up my food? <laughs> <laughs> you got 5,000 grown men who forgot to bring their lunch, but the little boy was willing to give up his food, his sustenance, to give it to Jesus. And he gave up his food. How much faith did that little boy have that he would give up his food? He would sacrifice what, his hunger, his, his, his satisfaction in order to give his food to those so that Jesus could possibly use it to multiply it. Hmm. Do you think what you have can make an impact if given to God, no matter how small or how great? These five barley loaves are like small pancakes. They're not big pieces of bread. And those pickled fish are small fish, like small sardine type fish. And Jesus says, make the people sit down. And, and he makes the people sit down and he says, there's much grass in the place. Get this. I want you guys to understand this. God is able to use the little things. He's always used it in scripture. Shamgar, I don't know if you guys ever heard of that guy. He killed all these Philistines with an ox goat. God will use the little thing. Moses, he gave Moses a staff that he turned into a, a snake and Moses picked it back up. And God uses the small things. This man named David killed a man named Goliath with a sling and some stones. God will use the small things. Hmm. He used a small river of Jordan to teach faith. He uses manna to show his people that he can, they can trust him for their daily bread, day after day after day. God will use the small things. Your ability or resources may be small, but God will use it to make it great. Hmm. The Bible says Jesus took it and he used it. 
and there's nothing too small for God to use. Verse 10, he says, make the people sit down. So there's much grass in the place. The men sat down, number about 5,000. Get this, the men, not women and children, probably 15 to 20,000 individuals there. The men sat down, and the Bible says in, in Mark that he set them down in ranks of 50 to 100. So if there were 50 uh, groups, then there would be somewhere between, if it's just the men by themselves, there would be 100 groups of men of 50. There are, he sets them down in, in groups of 100. There'll be 50 groups of men of 100. And get this. Jesus is teaching us, but he's also teaching his disciples to partner with him. He says, sit down. He says, have him sit down. And I love Jesus being cool. He is not, he is never disturbed by our circumstances. He says, have the people sit down. And in verse 11, he says, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them. The Bible says he took the loaves and he, he, he had given thanks. And in other, the other gospels said he broke the, the loaves. I love this because it's a principle of brokenness. God wants us to come before him broken. But can I share with you my own life that God used this little country boy from Tupelo, Mississippi. He, he began to use me in, in, in more impactful ways the moment I became broken before him. When I said, God, you, you're the God of the universe. You, you, you use a, a David, you use a shepherd, you use uh, all kind of people through scripture. You use Moses, the one who said, I, 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 I can't talk, who stuttered like I do sometimes. You, you use people who are insignificant, a man named Joseph who was down the ranks in his family lineage. And you've used people who are insignificant to do significant things. And I remember my broken point where God just really got a hold of my life my freshman year at Morehouse College. I was broken before God. I get so emotional thinking about that space because God broke me of my pride. He broke me of my, my self-sufficiency and he broke me of my independence and made me dependent on him. He broke me. And at that moment, my life ceased to be about what I wanted, and it was yielded as Jesus was. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. He broke the bread. And I'm praying this for our family here at OCC, that God would break us in here, because when he breaks us, he can multiply us. Understand the principle. It's not until a grain of, uh, of corn dies that it actually produces a harvest. So be broken before God. Allow God to break you in order to build you, in order to use you, in order to multiply your life. He broke the bread. And the Bible says, he says, I want you to distribute to the, these people. And he says, the, the disciples distributed to them. Get this. I don't know if you guys understand this, but he fed 5,000 men, probably 15 to 20,000 individuals. How many trips did the disciples have to make before they figure it out? Huh. Everything I need for them, I get from him. Everything I need for me, I get from him. How many times did I have to go back to Jesus getting bread and fish, 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 and taking it to the people, the 15 to 20,000 individuals? How many times did I have to do that trip over and over and over and over again before it cements in their spirit and their mind that everything I get from for them, I get from him? That everything I need on this earth, I get from him. That everything I have to have in this world, I get from him. Wow. Everything I need. 
If your marriage is struggling, just know this, everything you need, you get from him. If your health is struggling, everything you need, you get from him. If your mentality is your mental health is struggling, everything you need, you get from him. I love that. They go back and forth. And I can see Philip like, uh, yeah, I forgot who he was. And I don't want to be mad at Philip because get this, we are the same way. I ain't going to say we, I am the same way. I forget sometimes how great, how majestic, how powerful my God is. And God reminds me, come back, let me keep showing you how great I am, how powerful I am, how I got it all under control. And the Bible says that when they were filled, his disciples, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. So they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. These people got full. They probably looked like this. Oh, man, that was some good fish tacos, fish sandwiches. And, and, and he says, gather up all the things that were left over. And in verse 13, I want you guys to see this. This was revelation to me. Notice what they gathered up and what they didn't. The Bible says they gather up not the fish, but the five barley loaves, which was interesting because we know that after Passover, there's a feast of unleavened bread. And Jesus is going to go on later and says, guess what? I am, in verse 35, the bread of heaven. And he's going to tie it back to verse 4 about being the Passover lamb. He's going to go in verse 53 and 54. It says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. And it was confusing to everybody to the point that Jesus in modern church culture would have been told to have an unsuccessful ministry. How do you have 15 to 20,000 people following you one moment and then you have 12 and one of those 12 is a devil? But Jesus tells us in verse 63, he says, these words are spirit and they are life. He says, I talk in a way that's spiritual, not physical. You don't have to cannibalize me. And his disciples says, where should we go? You have the words of life. And so Jesus is preaching this principle that he is the bread of life because all they pick up left, 12 baskets of bread that's left over. No fish, but bread that's left over to signify the principle he's going to preach later on in the chapter. Hmm. I love it. And he closes it. He says he uses, the, he uses these doubters to actually distribute the bread, the ones who doubted him. Oh, I can't do this. I ain't got enough money. Send the people away. What other, other scriptures say in the gospel, send them away. We can't do this. We can't do this. And Jesus says, well, watch me work. He says, watch me work. I can get My wife's like, please don't do that in church ever again. He says, watch me work. And Jesus works and he fills these baskets and he says, one for you, Andrew, one for you, Peter, one for you, Philip. And he gives all the disciples a basket full. And I can imagine him looking at that basket like, uh, how do we forget? Yeah, you did 18 other miracles. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You are the one who's come to redeem the world of his sins. And I like how he, he uses this example to preach to his, his guys in verse 14 and we, as we close. Then those men, when they saw the sign that Jesus did, said, truly, this is the prophet who has come into 
the world. It's interesting. They saw the signs that Jesus did, and they recognized uh, 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 this sign, and they said, truly, this is the prophet who's coming to the world, and they try to make him king, and Jesus is like, no, 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 my kingdom is not like that right now. My kingdom is to go die for the sins of the people. And, and it's amazing, they try to, to make him a king because of the sign that they did. They love the sign, but miss the Savior. They love the miracle, but miss the Messiah. And Jesus says, no, 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 I have something different. So in closing, Overlake, how does this passage affect our, uh, shape our, uh, 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 us as followers of Jesus in our identity? Get this, we must stay feasting on the Lamb of God that was slain. We must feast on his word. We must give what we have. Because get this, God, nothing is too small for God to use. Beware of limited thinking when we have the greatness of God in our, at our disposal. Hmm. And lastly, God, Jesus is the only adequate, adequate provision for life and ministry. That Jesus is the way we do life. Jesus is how we live, how we serve. It is only by Jesus. So how does this shape us as a church family, as a community? Get this. This is my challenge to you, Overlake. Just as the lad brought what he had, imagine if every member of Overlake brought their little to Christ. What, what kind of church would this be? If you bring your five barley loaves, you bring your two fish, you bring your, whatever you have, whether great or small, bring it to the Savior and let him multiply it. What if we bring what we have to God to use? What would this community be like? How would people flock to the kingdom of God? How would people be, have transformed lives and get saved in the process? What would that look like if you brought your little to the Lord? I want to challenge you, Overlake. Think about what God wants you to bring and give it to him this week. Lastly, there was a great theologian who said this. He, says, he said this. He said, the Lord ended each phase of his ministry with a feeding. He ended his Galilean ministry with the feeding of this 5,000. He ended his Gentile ministry with the feeding of the 4,000. And he ended his Judean ministry before his death on the cross with the feeding of his own disciples in the upper room. But also understand this. In the end, we're going to go to a big feast and he's going to feed us again when we go into his kingdom. And we're going to worship with him and rule and reign. So bring everything you have to the table. God wants to use it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you so much for John chapter 6. Thank you that you are the Passover lamb that we are to feast on. And Father, I pray a blessing, anointing, your favor, your grace, and your mercy on Overlake, God. I pray that, Father, you would use them, Lord. And Father, I pray for any who do not know you, God. I pray that they would simply understand that Jesus says this. He says, come to me. I will forgive you of your sins. I love it how my grandfather said that. He says, Jesus says, come to his house. Wipe your sins at the doormat and come in and experience life. That's all salvation is about, is that God has paid the, the, the debt that you cannot pay. So if there's any 
who do not know Christ. I pray that you would submit your life to Christ. You will allow the Holy Spirit to continue to prick your heart and you would say yes to Jesus. Yes, that you're a sinner. Yes, that you accept his atoning sacrifice for your sin. And yes, you are going to become a part of the family of faith because it's a free gift. And Father, I pray for those who don't know you, that they would come to know you. And those who are not walking with you, God, I pray that, Father, that same prayer, that they would say yes to you and return like the prodigal son. And they would experience grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And you will give them rain. You will give them, you will clothe them, God. And you will put shoes on their feet, God. And that, Father, they will walk how you call them to walk. And the authority and the power and the majesty of the Spirit of God living inside of them. That you will call them to walk how you call them to walk. And the Father, you will restore them to their God-given, God-earned, not their earned, but God-earned position that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins, Lord. So, Father, be with this church. Bless them. Be magnified. Be glorified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus move again and again and again. He is faithful. And what I love is just this passage that Jonathan kind of took us through. Is we, we recognize what happens when Jesus gets to do what Jesus alone can do. And I love that challenge of we just bring to him whatever we have. The loaves, the fish, whatever we have, we take to him. Well, we are going to continue not just Sunday mornings as we always do, but also Wednesday nights. And so we invite you, uh, especially those of you living south of Overlake, that'd be Bellevue or Issaquah, Renton, Portland, uh, Los Angeles, wherever you're at, uh, we invite you to come. We're going to worship together on the front lawn, the patio at 7 o'clock. If you don't live south of Overlake, it's fine because we will always be streaming on Facebook Live and on live stream. So we want to just continue to have a season of worshiping together, praying together, and living life together as a family. And wherever you're watching, I just want to remind you again about those buttons and those links on the screen uh, to fill out that connection card. Again, our staff and our elders, we're praying for you each week, and so we want to come alongside you and pray for you and walk with you in the journey you're in in the midst of all of this season that we're in. And so make sure you fill out that connection card. Let us know if anything's changed, any updated information so we can follow up with you. And then that giving link. Again, this is an act of worship. We we don't think worship is limited to our singing. Uh, we don't think it's limited to our reading God's word. We think it's all of our lives. And that includes our act of worship of giving. And so take a moment and click that button. And then I want to draw your attention to that at-home resources. We have a lot happening this summer. In fact, I want to highlight one of the things we have happening. Oh, yeah. We have groups starting this week, all kinds of groups. Today. Grow groups, connect groups, serve groups. I mean, there is something for everyone, literally everyone. If you want to serve one day, I know Josh McQueen is picking up trash one day, and you can come along and serve with, who doesn't want to hang out with Josh and pick up trash? I would. I would do it. Um, there's all kinds of groups. My group is starting today. I'm starting a connect group today where we're we're reading Lisa Sharon Harper's The Very Good Gospel. And we're reading that. To, we're starting today. And it's not too late to sign up and join. And you got a group going on, right? I was going right? to say, and when Neely says there's a group for everyone, quite literally, lean in. Catch this. There is a group even for bird watchers. That's right. If you want to go bird watching next Sunday. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, we'll wear masks. We'll yeah. stay safe. You, you know, can read a book. Thing. You yeah. can watch birds. You can pick up trash. There everyone. is something for everyone. So check that out. You can click at home resources to find a link to all those uh, groups and sign up places. So let's do this. We're going to continue to worship. Before we do, Neely and I would love to just speak a blessing over the whole Overlake family, whoever else is watching, uh, just to bless you into the rest of the day and the week. Um, And again, we'll just continue to worship. So receive these words. Overlake, may you be a church family that desires to see everyone everywhere. Experience 
and be transformed by the love of God. Amen. 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 Let's worship. Let's just keep singing together. Sing this out. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. We sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. We sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings, you are my everything, and I will adore you.